What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the newest episode of the Tenernet Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, pretty cool one this time, guys. Uh, had a really nice conversation with Mr. Brandon Johnson. He is looking to win the opportunity to represent Wichita on the Wichita City Council and the seat in District 1. Um, we had a great talk. You know, we talked for, for 35, 45 minutes about uh, man, a lot of different things. We talked about some of the some of the great things that make Wichita what it is, uh, some of the problems Wichita faces. Talked a lot about uh, job creation here in the city of Wichita. Um, talked about some of the problems uh, the Democratic Party has right now and what we can do to fix those. We talked about... Um, you know, some of the things that unions can do and historically what we've done and uh, some of the problems our members, honestly, some of the problems our members have calling themselves a Democrat anymore, um, you know, and, and what we can do to fix that. Um, we need to, in my opinion, I think we need to, to work with both sides of this aisle to uh, not only make the institution of unionism better and more powerful so we can serve more workers um, but but what we can do to to make everything just flow better as a whole, um, and I think I think this man's about that. So, uh, like I said before, he he's running for the district council seat uh, seat one. Um, the election is November seventh. Um, so if you live in District 1, get out there and vote for this guy. I can't officially <laughs> endorse him, but uh, I know if I lived in that neighborhood, he'd sure get my vote. I really like the guy. Um, he didn't shy away from any questions. He answered everything uh, honestly and openly. Um, so I think he's a great guy, and I, I think he would do well. Uh, I think he'd be a great represent representative for the city of Wichita. So uh, the the boundaries for District One are, are basically everything east of 135 to about Woodlawn, um, everything north of uh, Kellogg to about 254. A um, little bit outside of that. So so get on get on uh, Wichita.gov and and look at the district council map if you're not sure whether you live there or not. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I, I had fun doing it. It was pretty it was pretty good, enlightening. Um, Brandon, like I said, really nice guy. Really smart man. I, I think he'd. I think he'd make a good good councilman for Wichita. Um, couple other things before we get rolling, guys. Continuing Ed, uh, getting close, getting close to, to having all the classes that we're going to do for the year done. So, if you don't have your Ed hours in, make sure you you schedule a class and get in there and take it. Um, check out our Facebook page. We just did a trick or treat with the Wing Nuts. Uh, Jeff and I were down there, passed out candy. It's about 2,500 kids. That was a, a really good time. We had got some really good pictures. Uh, thanks to Chris from Central for for building that awesome tin man and, and letting us use it again. That thing, that thing garnered a lot of attention. The kids loved it. So here we go. This is uh, Internet Podcast with Brandon Johnson. Enjoy. All right. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Um, I'm here with Brandon Johnson uh, today. Brandon is running for uh, the city council seat in District 1. 
Um, for those of you guys that don't know, the, the basic run lines of District 1 in Wichita go from 135 to Woodlawn, and then uh, from 96 to Kellogg, there's a, there's a few areas north and, and a little bit west of that, a little bit south too, but, but that's the biggest area. Um, so Brandon, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. Good. 33 days left in the campaign and just Come, pushing along. It's coming up. Man, thank you for taking the time to, to meet with me today and do this, to expose your campaign and a little bit about yourself to our members. I really appreciate it. Definitely, definitely. I appreciate you letting us uh, talk about the campaign and everything else. Super important. We're pulling for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So tell us about yourself. Uh, lifelong Wichita. Born and raised here, went to the uh, greatest high school in Wichita, Northeast Magnet. Okay. <laughs> played football at uh, Heights and West, and then I went and played football at Fringe University with Coach Lewis. Uh, I didn't realize my NFL dreams. I got injured, so then I coached the running backs for four years there at Friends, and I went to Wichita State as well. At Friends, I majored in business, and at Wichita State, I majored in sociology. Um, and then outside of that, I've worked pretty much a nonprofit ever since then, different organizations from uh, Family Services Institute running the summer job program and teen pregnancy reduction and life skills training uh, to Salvation Army, worked in the boys' home. It's a great charity. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. You, have to, you have to really be careful these days uh, on, on who you give your money to yep. because so much of that money goes to corporate overhead. The Salvation Army is actually one that uh, they do a lot of good work and keep their overhead very low. Yeah, they do. They do. And it was it was fun working there in the boys' home. It's closed down since, but it was 30 boys, you know, folks who make a mistake. And I was able to talk to them about, you know, although you've made a mistake, you still have a chance for a successful future. And that, that was good. I mean, it's always rewarding to see them get out and do something. I see some of them nowadays at the gas station. I was going to ask, have you, have you maintained and caught up with any of them? I try to. success stories? I try to. Since the facilities closed down, I try to do more. There was a, a policy where you couldn't talk to them for five years, but I work really? in the community, so I see them. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I see. Now, some of them have made a few more mistakes, and they're in adult prison now. Uh, but I try to keep in contact with them, too, and let them know when they get out, they've got a friend. You know, I don't judge. That's so nice. Get out, and let's try to help you get into the workforce and do something. We share, we share a similar mentality in that, you know, in the Sheet Metal Union. Um, we, we understand people make mistakes, and, and we, we don't judge. I mean, once you have a felony, let's just say what it is, once yeah. you have a felony, you're, you're earmarked. Yeah, it's and, tough. And un unemployment is going to be a reality for you. Unemployment, it's hard to get housing. It, in a country where we say you pay your debt to society and you get out, it's not that's paid. not true. It's not true. It's not true. We hold it against you. So hopefully we can keep changing that. Uh, recently, because of Sunflower Community Action, the city of Wichita banned the, the box. Yeah, yeah. So there's banned the box with city employees. It's not a citywide ordinance or anything yet, but you never know. That, that could happen. Excellent. So, you know, you talked about a little bit, hit, hit on this a little bit already. What, uh, what are some of the biggest issues you see facing Wichita right now? You know, for the, for the most part, and I, I get district specific, um, but it's all over, I would say, good paying jobs, living wage jobs. So not your um, seven twenty-five an hour and eight dollars an hour. I mean, you have to work two and three jobs at that wage to even try to survive. Amen, brother. Um, so, when I worked at Workforce, they defined living wage as twelve oh two an hour, 
Um, I think you can do a little better at 11.50. 12.02 is great, but I kind of define it as 11.50 and above. If we can get those types of jobs, more specifically in the uh, lower income areas, because our transit system isn't up to par with a lot of other cities our size, I would say. And so if we have those good jobs in the community where you can walk there, you can bike there, if you're a felon and you can't drive or you know whatever might be going on, if that job is in your community, you can get to it easier. So my goal is to make sure that we bring those types of jobs there. And I think it solves a number of issues when you have those living wage jobs, financial stability, uh, when you look at blight and dirty neighborhoods, you know, if you've got one good paying job, you have time when you get off work to make sure your yard is clean or and, to care about across the street and the money to do something about it. So uh, that has been the number one goal uh, or issue. And then number two would probably be community safety. And I've got a, a long record of working with our law enforcement department on improving community safety. So supporting community policing where we get officers out of vehicles, engaging with the community, knowing the small business owners. If you know who's policing you, you don't have some of the issues we've seen around the nation. That's not to say we'll be perfect, but it is to say I think we'll improve at that point if we know who's policing us to improve community safety and uh, discourage some of the I'll say lies that we hear about, like mm -hmm. District 1 being unsafe when really crime is statistically the same around the city. You know, my, my dad was a, a communication worker of America for AT&T for, for 37 years, and for some reason he, he worked in District, you know, the area that comprises District 1 almost his whole career. And uh, he, he, was, he just would say some of the guys just, they won't go there. And dad never had a problem. He made friends yeah. uh, in that neighborhood. Um, and I, I'm comfortable there as well. I, I, don't, I don't really understand it. I, I think maybe. It's just, just what you see in the news media. They, Someone yeah, got yeah. shot or drive by and all of that. And the thing is, it happens all over. It's just not reported all over. Mm. And the call volume, they say, is higher here, but that's because, you know, there's neighborhood watches. So people, you know, they see a suspicious too. person, which could just be somebody walking down the street, they call. Yeah. So when they uh, say the call volume's higher or these different things are happening, like I know for, from experience, you're safe walking around here anywhere. Sure. And there's always someone in law enforcement around, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, are there shootings? Yes, but there's shootings in other parts of Wichita. And as a matter of fact, when I was younger, I had a, I wasted my money on rims and sound systems and stuff. <laughs> my car was never broken into on this part of town. But yeah. when I went to Friends University, in that parking lot, my car was broken into once. And then I lived at uh, some apartments out west, my car was broken into again. No so, I mean, when we talk about safety, the statistics are the same everywhere. Yeah, I can, I can totally see that. So, you know, we, we talked a little bit before we started about putting the, putting the cart before the horse. We won't do that. <laughs> but uh, what, what are some of your goals when you, when you, uh, when you get this council seat you like, know, like we believe you will? It's really about what we've been campaigning on, putting the focus back on people. And I don't think people get enough attention or respect in politics on any level. Beautiful. And here it's focusing on people, it's focusing on neighborhoods. You know, the city of Wichita has expanded and it's been good for the city east and west. We've done a lot of work downtown, but what that's done is also put strain on our infrastructure and our inner city. Without so we're a not doubt. investing in our parks in the inner city. Um, we're closing pools. We're not, you know, rehabilitating roads. And we see a little bit of jump start from the sale of the Hyatt. 
but I want to make sure we put more focus on those neighborhoods, build up our neighborhood associations, address those issues, make our parks vibrant, uh, get that pool back open, invest in our football league instead of shipping them out to 29th and Greenwich. That's a great complex out there, but we've got fields and facilities in our community that should be invested in. And what we've seen, honestly, over some years is you don't see the investments in the Edgemore and Mac Adams and Linwood that you should. We should be upgrading what we have before we keep building these new things. I, I grew up playing at, at Barry Sanders Field yep. and it was it was a, a treat to yep. play there. It used to be such a, a nice manicured grass, you yep. know, it was such a nice a nice facility. And and Barry Sanders, let's just everybody two nine, let's give it up for Barry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he is an icon. What was not it? only two thousand five hundred and twenty three yards rushing was the record. Not only in Wichita, Barry's an icon in the no, in sport yeah. in general. Um, I, I saw him at the airport and was kinda giddy like a schoolgirl. <laughs> I would uh, be too. I didn't I didn't I didn't bother him. You know, Barry seems to be kind of a chill dude and I really wanted to go rush up and talk to him but he was chilling, nobody recognized him, so I just sat over there poking at my wife, like, look, 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 there's Barry, there's Barry. But uh, that was exciting, I'll never, I'll never forget that. But. What you should do in a situation like that, because I've, I've met a few famous folks like that that are just trying to chill, is you, you don't walk up, you know, with a huge smile, you just walk up, hey, Barry, just want to come shake your hand. Yeah. And just walk off. Okay, yeah. I got it. I, some of this is, you know, the design of this podcast for our members is to be in a newsletter, but it's got to be entertaining, so I'm yeah. going to tell this story, too. <laughs> uh, speaking on meeting, meeting famous people, I, I had my kids at, at Great Wolf Lodge up in Kansas City, and I saw Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid, wow. and I was a huge professional wrestling fan, yeah. right, huge growing up. And I, he was with his kids, I knew that. Nobody, again, he was all by himself, kind of chilling. I was like, man, I don't want to go mess with this guy, but I was such a huge fan. So I, just like you said, Brandon, I walked up real chill. I was like, hey, man, I know you're with your kids and, you know, kind of just flying under the radar. But just wanted to tell you, man, thanks a lot for everything you've done. I really enjoyed watching your matches. And this guy looked at me. He's like, hey, man, I'm, I'm here with my kids. Just bowled out loud. I was like, whoa, okay, man, see, see you later. No problem. But, yeah, he's super crazy. Wow. Uh, so yeah, I tried that once. I figured I'd leave Barry alone. Yeah, I, yeah, I can understand. Respect him a little more than the than the heartbreak kids. So, so okay, let's get back down to, to business here. Enough enough fooling around. So being that that I work for Local Twenty Nine Sheet Metal Union, yep. uh, I think my members would uh, not be very happy with me if I didn't get your stance on unions. Well, you know, I definitely support unions. Um, I've been concerned with what we see in the right to work state and and the attempts that we've seen some of our partners in the legislature to change that and the, uh, I guess, brick wall they're hitting on that. Uh, I'd like to see our unions get more support and uh, probably be listened to a little more. I've talked to some union members of the SEIU and some other folks and it doesn't seem like they always are listened to or taken seriously in some cases. So I, I think that's a change and, you know, my door will always be open if there are issues uh, with the city or things that we need to address. I tend to try to get that done immediately and not sugarcoat around things like that. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, sugarcoating anything is a waste of time. If, if you're not going to have an open, honest conversation about any issue, a real lasting solution is never going to be solved. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit on some things that I think are, are real benefits about unionism. 
Um, you know, when you're looking at it, training employees, it's expensive. Um, not maybe for for the employee. A lot of times, employers do a really good job about training their own employees. Um, but I think when you're when you're talking about unions specifically, we do a really good job of of training employees for our employer at a cost that it, it is absorbed by the union itself. What what would you what would you have to say about that? About you know. Training and, and getting getting education. The I think that's good. I mean, I, I worked at Workforce Alliance, so that was Love one them. of the the pluses there was making sure that you could get on the job training, some somewhat subsidized by Workforce through federal money, and then working with some of the unions around town to make sure folks got that training. So I'm definitely a supporter of that. I think it helps out the business, it helps out the individual, and then you also get to make that connection with other employees. So ab ab absolutely supported 100 percent. Um, you know, uh, for, for me personally, unionism is is not about money. I, I make a good living. Um, for me, it is about it is about uh, honoring the people that came before me. Yeah. Um, because literally, people bled and died for me to have the rights that I do. So honoring the people that came before me and protecting it for those that come after me. That is something that, that I hold sacred, and and, and one and one of the, the the key foundations on 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 unionism for me. But let's not be unhonest here. The money plays a huge factor um, when we talk about the benefit to the middle class that that unions have. Um, what what would you what would you say about that? I think it's hugely beneficial, but. I think it kind of comes back to what I said earlier as far as having conversations with your, your union folks and the the money piece seems to always be an issue I've heard. So, you know, you've got your union that is arguing for, or not arguing, but talking about the fact that employees need more income and then you've got this business that pushes back. And I always look at how much revenue and profit that these businesses make. And so if your union is saying, you know, our workers need a two or three dollar raise, which, you know, for a big company is not a lot. If it's like a Walmart, sure. well, they're making billions a year. And to me, your employee is what makes your business. You can have the greatest product in the world, but if you don't have people working for you to get that out there, you're not going to be profitable. Amen. And yes, so sir. we see that so much where we don't take care of our employees. And I just believe that it should be shared success if you're profiting in revenues or in the hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, give your people a raise. They're the ones that got you there. Fantastic. You didn't do it by yourself. That's absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I don't think any of our uh, members could agree more. Um, one thing that, that I think is great about unions, and uh, we're going to touch on a little bit a little bit later, I hope, is just the benefit to to race relations that, that unionism has right now I don't think this country has been more divided than it has in the last uh, 30 40, 50 60 years yeah. I mean we're, we're very very divided right now um, when you look at uh, when you look at what a union is it's it's your absolute democracy yep. it's a vote for vote no matter what the color of your skin is, your sex, what you like to do on the weekends. If yep. you are a member, you are the same, and it's a vote for vote. Um, when you, you know, when you're on a job site, I'm a construction worker, you know, so I'm on a in a construction job site. I know there's unions and all sorts of other, and you're on the factory line. Yep. You know, you're the same. You're right there with your brother and your sister, and yep. you're working. 
doesn't matter. You're doing the same thing. I think that you really have the time to talk to someone and get to know someone. Uh, so I, I think, in my opinion, uni unionism has a, has a great effect on race relations and anything to add to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it brings you around shared values. That's kind of what we've seen with our community garden is we'll have a garden and let's say, and, and this actually happened, so I didn't know anything about gardening. And I just had an idea because we saw Michelle Obama do it. This was back in 2009 in my church. And uh, three of the elders of the church all had farms. Um, at one point in their life. And so they said, yeah, let's do it. They didn't tell me I had to do all the work, <laughs> but you know, they, they taught me that. And then as the garden grew, we saw poor people, we saw homeless people, we saw wealthy people, we saw people of every uh, racial and ethnic background all in this garden coming around the common cause of growing food and sharing it, and it was organic. And to me, that was beautiful, and, and unions do that too. It's all about shared values and coming together. That is beautiful. Uh, I totally agree. I can't grow anything. Um, <laughs> I try. I try it. It just, no matter how much love and effort goes into it, 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 it dies. So m moving on, but, but continuously kind of adding to the, to the topic on, on race, uh, historically minorities have been a huge part of labor unions in this country. Um, in the East and West Coast, my experience tells me that, that they still are. Um, my experience also tells me that in the Midwest, specifically Wichita and Kansas, that the involvement in labor unions decreases dramatically. Why, why do you think that is maybe? And uh, what do you think we might be able to do to address that issue? Uh, I could be off base here, but I, I look at Kansas and being a right to work state, um, there's a lot of attacks on unions as is. And when you look at people of color, we're under attack anyway all the time. So that adds another level to it. Um, outside of that, you always hear about the corporate pushback to unions. And it's, it's one of those, do I join the union and risk that? Or do I not join the union and stay in a friendly space with my employer? And I've heard that from one person. Um, I think to, to deal with that, and everything costs money, but some way getting the benefits of being in a union out a little more because in this state every election there's right to work we're against unions if you're on, if you're in the, on the right and then on the left we talk about it but at the same time we're not getting that message out enough in my opinion uh, I know in 2014 I saw a lot of folks in unions out knocking doors and I, I thought that was wonderful and if we continue to see that and it's not necessarily just for a candidate but maybe about union values and the benefits of unions people might start saying, okay, it's good for me to join this union. This is how we can benefit from being in a union, and this is how we can benefit the union in general. That, that eases some of my mind and, and really breaks my heart on what you said, because um, as, as the organizer for, for 29, I talk to everybody that is involved in, in the sheet metal industry. Um, and I'm, I'm not having the success on, on organizing our membership the way, the way I would like to. And, and that is a question that I, that I ask myself daily is, is with all these fantastic benefits that I'm offering, why is this job not easy? Why is it not easy to, to recruit the membership and give these people an opportunity to earn everything that I'm earning? And all I can, all I can tell myself is it, it's fear. It's fear that they're comfortable where they're at, they're doing okay, 
why why chance that for something better so so to so to hear you say that in 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 regard to to people of color um you know being being a white man in this country i i i cannot relate to that with experience only only with uh, compassion and, and um, sy- sympathy, honestly, because like I just said, I can't empathize. Right. Um, but it, it's really, that's really sad, I think. Um, so I guess I'm asking, uh, so really there, there's going to be no difference there because it doesn't matter whether you're... Well, whether you're uh, right yeah. now, yeah, I think if you continue down the road as is, yes. But so in situations like that, I typically just start asking questions. So instead of recruiting... Just switching that, you know, hey, you know, this is what we're doing with the union. You know, do you have any thoughts about it? Um, mm. What are some of the pros and cons that you see in joining a union? Man, that's and good advice. You do that for a little while, you start to see where similarities are, and then you'll figure out why the specific people you're talking to haven't joined. And then if you get out and knock doors, same thing, you know, do you know what a union is? Um, what are the pros that you think of unions, or what are the cons? And then you start building up some data and that'll help you with messaging to go back out and say, well, this is what we actually do and this is how we help. Um, and you can always do funny stuff. So, I, you know, I get irritated. Uh, January's coming up. All these politicians come out and talk about how much they love Dr. King mm-hmm. and all of these things. And I, I always go on a tirade. If you support Dr. King, then the Poor People's Campaign is something you should be talking about. You would raise the minimum wage because that's what he talked about. Uh, we would change the laws. We would uh, reinforce the Voting Rights Act. Everything that Dr. King talked about, a lot of folks who post about him and the former Congressman Pompeo was one of them, and they were adamantly against everything that he stood for in Congress. And so with unions, every Labor Day I always watch all these folks will come out, Paul Ryan just did it. Oh, happy Labor Day and all of that. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you know where Labor Day came mm-hmm. from? Do you know why we have Labor Day? The history behind it, yet you keep pushing all this right to work stuff. So it's just really working all of that stuff in and then calling out people like that. And I do it in January all the time because I get annoyed, I'm starting to get frustrated now because I know I'm gonna start seeing this again. All of our electeds from Kansas and Washington that'll come out and oh happy MLK Day and all that and then what are you doing? Right, it's it's pandering. Yeah, it's pandering yeah. and and whatever whatever tool an inhonest person can use to pander, they're gonna use it and especially one that's a great one. Yeah, like like Dr. King uh, would be to 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 use. Uh, but but the going back to what you said about asking questions. You know, I've, I've never really done that. I've, um, you know, the basic, what do you think about unions? Ever thought about joining a union? But I've got so much knowledge and info and pride that I like to just throw out what we are and what we can do and how we can help instead of asking. You know, a big thing is in a campaign, a union campaign, is what do you need? Yeah. Not what can we give you, because I can make you no promises, honestly. I can't promise you anything other than we will continue to fight to give you everything that you you need, yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a really good question. And instead of instead of driving info up front, ask them what they need up front. You yeah. know, that, I like that, and that's that's going to go in my playbook. Um, so this one's going to be a doozy. I did have this this question lined up, um, and it's really just a personal one, and and one that that I think is is affecting a lot of union members in general. Um, Especially in in Wichita and in the in the Midwest, I think 
the Democratic Party has a has a r really big problem on their hands, um, specifically with union building trade members, uh, specifically those members that are that are white, heterosexual, middle class males. Uh, I fit all of those. Um, that that is myself that I am describing, and. You know, I feel I feel like a villain. I feel like I'm being villainized a lot of times on on social media and in the actual media um, by very the most seemingly vocal members of the Democratic Party um, tend not to be those. They tend not to be white heterosexual middle class males. Um, man, this is it, it, it's hard to say because it seems like anytime I talk about it, I become the thing that I say I'm not trying to be, right. you know? But again, it goes back to what I said, if we're not gonna have this conversation, we're never gonna get to the bottom of it and have a solution. Right. You know, I think people, labor's typically, I had to say in bed too, but labor has always been very friendly and cooperative with the Democratic Party, uh, historically. Um, and we need, I think, we need to get back to that. Yeah. Um, but when a, a vast majority of construction labor union members right now are, are, are white, heterosexual, middle-class males, and they consistently are bombarded with feelings of, of villainy, that's driving them away from the party. What can we do to not make a white, heterosexual, middle-class male with a heart the bad guy instantly. What, I mean, am I off base? If I'm off base, let me know. But I really feel like that's my feeling on it. Yeah, yeah. What makes you feel that way first? You know, uh, friends on social media that that are are typically white guy meme this and white guy meme that. Oh, so the issues you know. going on and basically saying that uh, white folks are to blame, especially middle class and. Okay. Yeah. Um, so on this, everything that's difficult, and I, I think this is why our campaign is where it is, to always try to have a conversation. And it's a, always a real conversation um, in a safe space. And my definition of a safe space means no judgment. So we could be in here having a conversation like we are, and there's no judgment. And telling everybody don't use the hot button uh, uh, words to attack, but really explain why you say what you say and give your perspective. And so right now with, with everything going on, um, and I'm just trying to think of something that has happened recently, there's so much. You take maybe what happened in Charlottesville, and that was a, a tragedy, and we saw a, I don't know what Heather's uh, income level was, but let's say she was a middle-class white female. And the first thing I said at the rally was, you know, rest in peace to Heather. Mm. You know, acknowledging that we did have a white sister who gave her life fighting hate. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about, so the crowd was predominantly white, and I didn't have anything negative to say except for a challenge and the challenge was for everybody because I have to do it too and that is when we see hate we have to confront it and it doesn't matter if it's your friend or a family member even if it's your parents so if you see them or hear them saying something hateful then you have to risk your comfort level to say something to stop it if we want to see it stop 
And it wasn't just to them, because I have two friends, or I had two friends on Facebook that had openly advocated for running protesters over. Um, and another one openly said that protesters should be shot. And I had only gotten to one Facebook debate with one of them, but I let it go. And after Heather was killed, I went back and just called them both out, just immediately on, on whatever post I had, and I can't remember now, both of them commented, and I said, well, you openly advocated <coughs> for this, so what do you say now? Well, and they didn't have a response. But anytime I see something like that, I call them out. Um, Agree, I do too. You, ha you I, have to. I, I'm glad that you said that. Um, I was speaking with a, with a friend on Facebook and, and her, one of her family members is, you know, a, a closeted bigot. He, he won't ever outright say anything, but he'll argue until, until you know, he's blue in the face. The, any point that she is trying to make yeah. for the other side, and he veiled thinly veiled racism is yeah. all it is. But he will never, never admit. And she, I had to message her privately because I've never commented on any of that. I let her do it. It's her family. I don't know any of it. But I had to message her and just and just say how proud and what an inspiration she is to to never stop. Yep. Every post she does, he's got something crappy to say about it, yep. and she never stops. Uncle Richard, this is why I think that way, in a very intelligent, eloquent way, she handles herself, and I just had to tell her thank you. And that's, she said the same thing you just told me, Brandon, I can't stop. It's our duty. It's our duty to fight this. And, and, I, and I just said, you know, the, well, thank you. You're an inspiration, and you're, you're helping me keep up the things that, that I have you know, uh, probably settle down on a little bit because I get tired of that fight. So to have people out there that I know that just refuse to get tired of that fight, it really is, it, it helps It helps a lot of us yeah. uh, re, re, refill our tanks. Yeah. So, so thank you for that. But again on, on that, it's just about having the conversation. I actually had someone, while you were talking, I remembered, I had someone at a door who was a Republican who loves James Thompson. Mm -hmm. And um, he was like, you know, I'm a Republican, I love James, but I'm getting tired of the Democratic Party vilifying me for being uh, a white Republican man. And, uh, and I told him I was a Democrat. And he was like, uh, but, you know, I still like James. And I said, do you believe in everything that the Democratic Party is talking about? And he said, oh, not everything, but I'm not the person they say that, uh, that they say I am. And I said, well, if it's not you, then the shoe doesn't fit. Don't put it on. But at the same time, we've got we've to continue to have those conversations. And I would suggest, as, as union members, we get party leadership, have this conversation as a party, just in every pocket we possibly can to keep talking about why you feel that way and then why others do. I can tell you, as a person of color, with all of the um, extra stuff going on, and we'll, we'll say, post-2012, because before that, we started seeing Barack Obama getting attacked on things, but as people of color, we're used to it. It was just exposed to the nation that this happens to us, all the blocks, everything they said about them. But since then, the, the heat has turned up quite a bit, and if we don't have those conversations, then you might not know if I'm saying something that you may be offended about. I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about somebody else. But I may not know you're offended if I don't hear about it. Okay, So okay. it's just having I, that. I, I, I get it, because I'm speaking on one friend in particular that's yeah. really, I'm having these conversations with, and he tells me that. He's like, well, I'm not talking about you. 
well, how can you say you're not talking about me if you say all white people do this, all, you know, all men do this? Well, it's a mistake you to know? say all. I, I agree. Yeah. And that's what, I've, that's what I've told him. But, you know, it is, uh, it, I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only one feeling this way because that would mean that I'm crazy. Uh, I mean, every, every issue right now you see, even with, you know, I have an activist background, so my work with police has been funny. So we protest, sure. <laughs> we rally, and then you ask me, and I'm like, I'm not anti-police. And they're like, so what is all the stuff you're doing? Well, I don't like the bad cops, yep. and I think the bad cops don't need to be on the force. And in order to get them off the force, we need policy change. But really, systematically, we need yeah. policy change throughout the nation on every level to make sure that we really are fair and equitable. But when it comes to law enforcement, anytime you say, you know, you see an officer shoot somebody with their hands up, that person should be fired. That's who I'm talking about. But everyone takes offense to it because you're talking about law enforcement in general. So what we've done here in Wichita, you know, even last year with the barbecue, there's, and, and going back further, I had a, a negative situation with law enforcement. It's my inspiration to change things because I don't want that to happen to anyone else. And so when we are working with law enforcement, it's let's support community police and let's get them out of the vehicles to talk to people because I know from my personal relationships with six officers I had, that's why I don't hate police now because I knew them. And so having these conversations, working together and addressing these issues is how it starts. So all the officers we've been dealing with once we sit down together and they realize I don't hate police, right. I just want to see some policy change because these negative things have happened. You may not have ever shot someone or beat someone or treat someone unfairly, but someone on the department has, mm -hmm. and that needs to change because of it. Once you have that conversation, then people begin to realize, okay, I don't, he doesn't hate everybody and I don't necessarily like everything he's saying, but it's coming from a good place and I support it. And that's why I went from the majority of some of the officers that probably didn't like me early on, now they do. Because they understand it's not about them in uh, particular, but if there's an officer doing something wrong, and I'm sure they all know who is doing what's wrong, then that's who I'm talking about, and that's why we push for the change. So I probably need to unblock this guy off of Facebook and keep having conversations with him. That's all it is, it's, and it's hard. I mean, it, it takes a while, but I've just seen, and from my experience, if we sit down and talk about it, we may yell at each other one day, we may try it again in a couple weeks, and we may yell again, but then after that, we probably get start working through it. Yeah, I've known him for a long time. I'd hate to see any of this really get in the way keep of doing it. friendship. I've got, I've got one story, so one of my football teammates, I won't, I won't name, but uh, we played football at friends and on the field we didn't think about race at all it was just football who's going to win if you're messing up fix it again race didn't matter yep uh, over the years i became more vocal on facebook about my social justice views and he would always say what i just told you well, you know it's not all police and you know, uh, don't commit the crime, and if you don't commit the crime, you don't get shot. And I'm like, well, you don't have to commit a crime when you're a person of color. You can just get pulled over. Oh, that's not true. And we would actually engage, and we engage from respect because we played football together. He's a brother of mine for life. He is white, and he lives out on the farm. He'll be here Saturday. Uh, we're going to hang out, probably get a beer or something. Awesome. Um, but I'll always love and respect him, even if we, because he's more conservative, even when, though we disagree, still my brother. Absolutely. So when the uh, gentleman was killed in Tulsa by the officer, you know, he had his hands up, he was walking around, 
to me, it didn't matter that he was on PCP because you didn't know that at the time. He was walking really slow, hands up, put him on top of the van, still got killed. I made a post and I said to everyone who continually said that uh, if you don't follow directions or whatnot and you don't threaten law enforcement, you won't get killed. We just watched a man on TV with his hands up, slowly walking to a van, didn't reach inside, and he was killed. Mm. Do not tell me this does not happen anymore. And he got on my Facebook post and apologized. Wow. And he said, you know what? I get it now. So, and since then, I've not seen him make one post saying don't commit the crime. You know, he still is, he's still more... Um, on the side of law enforcement, you know, and just listen, but he won't say, you follow directions and all that, you won't die. He's changed that. I saw the evidence. And, and he's beginning to see that there are some deeper issues that we need to address. And I've got another friend that would never really get too vocal, um, but he would push back in private in my inbox. He's now on the offensive every time something happens to all of his friends who are a little more wealthy, mostly white. And anytime he sees something that uh, they say that, you know, don't commit the crime and all of that. He posts. He gets on their posts. He makes a long post. He'll tag them in it. And it's just to continue to create that awareness. Like, this really is happening. It's serious. So it is. that took years. So, you know, you just keep having the conversation. <laughs> okay. I will. I will. That's because uh, I did. I just blocked him. I just got tired of dealing with it. You know, I got tired of, again, the, the vilified feeling from him constantly, even though he said, I was not you, not you. But when I, it's just, you know, the feeling inside me was like, man, he, he, you keep doing it. I keep telling you how it bothers me, you keep doing it. Well, see, he needs to listen more um, because, and I've had, you know, people come to me about that. So I, everything I just said, I've had folks come to me, well, when you say this, this is how I feel about it. You shouldn't say it that way. And I'm like, okay, I, I can understand that. But you have to have an open mind on that. So it sounds like you've been communicating and he's just kind of doing whatever he wants to. But that's why the communication has to continue. At some point, he may get it. You know, maybe I shouldn't be vilifying my friend and yeah. other people like him. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's the the kind of last race question I, I had and wanted to talk about it all. Now let's get on some economic stuff. Start talking about a little bit about that policy that that you hopefully can help institute in a in a, a more favorable direction for the people. Uh, Federal prevailing wage projects versus state prevailing wage projects. Uh, what do you think about our current, maybe outgoing governor's tactic of, of distributing federal money into, into the state of Kansas accounts and then reallocating them into specific projects, therefore, uh, or thereby skirting prevailing wage legislation in this country? Completely disagree with it. I've never been a fan of it. I've called him out in person for it uh, and will continue to do so. And even uh, Lieutenant Governor Collier, if he becomes governor and he keeps up the same thing through 2018, I don't agree with that. Excellent. I think that, you know, money comes in, it's dedicated for something, that's what it should be. And that was the biggest, uh, the interesting thing about the states' rights argument. So when we had President Obama, it was states' rights. We should be able to get this money and do what we want with it. And now we've got Trump in office. And when we see other people say, well, states' rights, we should be able to do this, now it's, now it's a no-go. Oh. Uh, but no, I don't agree with anything that the governor has done in regard to that. And I mean, that's why we're getting screwed on health care and everything else. He takes this money and does what he wants with it instead of what it was designed for. Or is I hate the word cronies, but what his uh, wants it, contributors? Yeah. Because they're definitely not constituents. They might be somewhat, but 
but I think the, he does what the contributors yep. want done with it. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say a, a phrase and then and then maybe move on. You can uh, you can touch on it if you want. Uh, actually, I want I want to say the phrase and then come back to it. Municipal mm-hmm. prevailing wage. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll just let that marinate. Municipal prevailing wage. Well, thank you for um, Another another economic thing, especially in Wichita, that right now is is firing up is a, is a pretty hot issue and has over the, the last couple of years is the use of taxpayer income to grow to grow Wichita's economy. Uh, me being fairly opinionated with my economic policy, I call it corporate welfare. Uh, but for the sake of the conversation, we we can call them <laughs> subsidies. Um, I, I I can see some potential benefit if properly administrated. Uh, however, I'm not I'm not. A huge advocate of it. What, what's your stance on uh, on corporate subsidies? How can we use them the most efficiency, uh, efficiently, and effectively to uh, to use them to create true economic impact for the growth of Wichita? So at the moment, I do support uh, Mayor Longwell's stance on not giving those types of incentives to businesses trying to come to Wichita because like oftentimes you give them that money, they stay here for a few years, and they leave, and it screws the the worker. So I don't agree with that. Uh, so I support Mayor Longwell's stance on that. But I think effectively used, if we invest in Wichita businesses, and I'm not talking bigger businesses, I mean your mom and pop shops. So if we're going to do however many hundred million for one business, I think if an investment of fifty to a hundred thousand dollars in a small business is going to help them way more. They're going to create sustainable jobs and probably hire from the community and it helps them build their dream rather than somebody just building some building out uh, in the outskirts of the city. Um, so I, I believe in targeted approaches. I worked with Senator Fausto on what's called the Kansas Reinvestment Act. Um, if we can get that passed, it will invest $100,000 into lower income neighborhoods for businesses so you can't hire from it. But let's say you're making uh, donuts and your machine, you're cranking it out, you're doing all right as a business, but uh, there's a machine for $20,000 that you can buy that's going to triple your revenues, right? Mm-hmm. You can use this money to buy that. So then it's going to help expand your business. You're going to make more money. You can create jobs. That's the type of investments I want to see into smaller businesses that really need it and that are really going to do something for the community. Awesome. That's a, that's a really great idea. Um, I actually like that. We, we do a similar thing. Um, within Local 29, it's called our, our, our Market Recovery Fund. Um, we've done it once to, we, we, we helped, a, we helped a, a member start his own business and uh, we've only done it once. We, we use the fund for a lot of the things. We help our contractors bid against um, our, our, their unfair competitors, is I'll, I'll just call them that. Um, but I would really love to use it in the, in the same fashion more is yeah. to help build these businesses up and get them, get them a start because that's the hardest part. Yep. The first couple of years of any business is yep. going to be the hardest part. Um, so, so let's go back to, to the, what's marinating in the tank here. Municipal prevailing wage. Um, I think if we're going to give uh, any sort of business a tax break, then it ought to come with a real cost of a municipal prevailing wage um, for any project that, that they do that that money is going to be a benefit of. You know, say, uh, I, I think Cargill got, yeah. got a, a really nice uh, subsidy to, yep. to stay here. Um, to, my, to my knowledge, not 
very much of that new project um, is, is going to go go union, at least not that the, the sheet metal mechanical portion of it definitely isn't. Um, I think that would be a fair thing because it goes back to what we were talking about, all the good things that, that a living wage, and, and let's be real here, a, a union sheet metal worker and a union, a union pipe fitter, that's not a living wage. Right, um, right now, um, we have first year apprentices starting out at 18 plus dollars on their check. When you factor in their, their health care, their pension, their 401k, a first year apprentice is earning right around $26 an hour. Um, and they're, they're right at about 55% of what, what a journeyman sheet metal worker is. So, so we're way above what that living wage is. And what that does, what that does is that it allows us to not live paycheck to paycheck. Right. That gives us a flexible spending income yep. that we can go out there and have the things that, that uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Smith, uh, shop owner, yep. is building that we may not be able to afford on a living wage. You know, we can we can take vacations, we can drive the local, state, and national economy with this extra money that or we have. Or you can save up money and start your own business. We absolutely could do that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely could do that. So you know, I would like to see if we're if we the taxpayer are going to be giving uh, these corporate subsidies. Let's let's get some of that going back into the people that are going to be doing the projects. That that's my opinion. Um, I know I know that's hard. Uh, we we live in a we live in a a red state. You know, with it's, red opinions, it's it's hard, but I think it should happen too. Um, it's something that I had in my mind to begin that conversation after we won to see what one where it was at support wise, and then. If it seemed like it was close enough to where it could be a push, then that'd be a push that we make. Because again, I think you know you're getting taxpayer money. There should be some real benefit to it, and maybe it sets a standard. You know, we do it, and people start seeing productivity jumping. I mean, if I can come into a business making 18 an hour, and I was just making, you know, eight or nine, well, I'm I'm gonna work. <laughs> you know, I have a reason to. I think San Francisco has one right yeah. now, and uh, their economy is absolutely exploding. Uh, it's really expensive to live there, uh, I think, but uh, they have one, and I think it's you know being used, being being useful. You yeah. know, I think you, uh, you have to make a lot of money to live in San Francisco, but I think that people are flourishing and the economy is flourishing. Yep. I, I think uh, not that not that Wichita is San Francisco, uh, but models are models, and and they tend to work. And if it doesn't work, you know, we can undo. But I, I think it's uh, a good experiment yep. that we could try. Um, so, so those are those are the the easy questions I got. Let's get to the real hard one. What are your what are your future political aspirations here? You know, Mr. Um, Johnson, we haven't thought much about it. There, there's folks that have approached me with, you know, you should think about running for mayor or you know, run for some state office. Uh, President still out of the question. You got a couple more years. Yeah, I'm, I'm 31. I legally can't yet, but. Um, <laughs> No, I hadn't thought a whole lot into it. I really am running right now. Uh, I've grown up in District 1. I want to see some real change in District 1. Um, I'm all about that and less about the title and all of that. So if we can start making some real progress here and start uniting people and really focus on neighborhoods, then I'll consider, you know, what might be next after that. But I'm I'm really in it for the for the change. If I was 
to accomplish everything and no one wanted me to run for anything else, I'd be fine with that because I wanted to see the, the actual change and opportunity for other people. And that's something I can always be proud of. Fantastic. We'll start thinking. I, I've got a good. I've got a good feeling about this run. I've got a good feeling after meeting you for a little bit that we're going to see some change, and that change is going to be absolutely positive. Um, so w w the rest of the rest of Wichita and maybe the state of Kansas outside of District One might be able to to use some influence and change. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? Appearances you'd like to mention? Where you're going to be at? What's going to be? What's going to be happening? Where can we come see you out in the community? Um, well, I try to be everywhere. We've got a town hall coming up on the 13th at Downtown Cafe. Uh, we've got a candidate uh, meet and greet on October the 24th at Rock Island uh, from 5:30 to 8:30. So those are two opportunities where we'll be out. The town hall is always fun. We try to pick a small business and sell them out. We we've only done it once with the donut hole. Uh, Central Standard, we had an event and they sold uh, quite a bit, so we try to support our small businesses. Nice. Um, but outside of that, I'm out knocking doors, talking to people. It's a commitment I made even after winning that as a council person, I'll still be out knocking doors, talking to people, because I think your governmental representative should be out in the community with easy access. Um, but outside of that, you know, our campaign, we've got 33 days. Uh, we're knocking doors, making calls. Uh, we'll be working to that. Our uh, watch party will be at the Ambassador if anybody wants to come. Um, okay. I think it's going to start at 7. I'm not planning that. Someone else is. So. <laughs> Excellent. But yeah, we'll, we'll be there for that. And um, my door is always open. Uh, I'll always be available to talk about any issues. So feel free to reach out. Awesome. Um, Brandon, thank you. Thank you so much, no, sir, you. for doing this. Uh, this is something I'm just trying to get started. This is going to be the, the second or third episode. I'm not, I'm not sure yet. Uh, I think our members so far liked it and will continue to like it. And it's, it's, it's these conversations with, with people that, like you that are really going to help this thing grow and really make it important and, and really make it something that, uh, that we're all going to want to see continue in the future. So, so with that, I say good luck to you. Thank um, you. Wichita needs you, so, so go, win that, go win that election oh. on November 7th. We plan to. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. So there it was, folks, episode number three of the Tenernet Podcast. A uh, couple things, try and, keep, try and keep this short, because first, I'm sorry this is so long. I uh, had a lot that I wanted to go into with Brandon, and he, uh, he had a lot that I think he wanted to say. So I'm sorry this was so long. I'm going to try and keep them shorter. Um, also sorry about the, the background noise on the recording they were really busy in that office working trying to make sure that they do absolutely everything they can to help this man get elected so there's a little bit of conversation going on in the background I hope that wasn't too distracting uh, also sorry for a couple of the, the little stories in there with the Barry Sanders and the, and the wrestler story uh, you know trying to keep it a little bit lighter entertaining especially some of the heavier topics we had during this one uh, a couple other things i just wanted to mention uh local 29 will be getting a table at the union sportsman alliance inaugural central and western kansas building construction trades uh, conservation dinner that dinner is going to be saturday november 18th um, at the abode venue uh, doors are going to open at 5 30 uh, local 29 is going to get the table it's a table for 10 um, 
every we're going to sponsor that table and every table is going to come with an opportunity to win a Remington 783 uh, pretty nice rifle um, if you want to get uh, get a chance to, to get a ticket to, to attend this event give Sherry a call here at the hall um, the last day we're going to take uh, names down is going to be Wednesday November 15th um, if we have more than, than 10 members wanting to go, we're just going to draw names out of a hat to see who, who gets those tickets. Um, ought to be, ought to be a good time. And, uh, Union Sportsman's Alliance, they're, they're a bunch of great people over there doing a, a lot to try and preserve some wildlife in Kansas and, and keep the lands public. Um, so there's that, uh, <sighs> I recorded this over a month ago, and I just I forgot how good it was. Um, we talked about a lot of important hot button topics in the community, and, and with me personally, um, I think with with union members, we talked about a lot of stuff. Um, you know, the, the municipal prevailing wages was super important to me. I think that's something that could get a lot of local twenty nine members uh, back to work. You know, it's slow right now. Um, so, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, Good luck to Mr. Brandon Johnson. Uh, Again, he's running for the Wichita City Council District 1 seat. Um, This election is going to be November 7th. So if you live in that area, go vote. Uh, If you don't know whether you live in that area or not, get on wichita.gov, find the District Council 1 map. Uh, Make sure that you do live there and and get out there and vote for this guy. I think he's going to be great for... For District One and uh, great for Wichita, so that's it. That's the that's the very end of episode number three. Thanks for everybody for listening, and we will see you next time. Be safe.